0: Boy, let that be our prayer, that we need the Lord. Each moment, each day, we need the Lord in our life. This is what I want you to do. Open up your Bibles and travel to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33. We're going to dive into these first three verses this morning. But as we do that, we're kind of traveling a journey that I want to call really like the big five. The big five things, and two weeks ago we started it, the very first thing, the first and greatest commandment is to do what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is first and foremost in our life, that we should be loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second great commandment is to do what? Love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, last week I gave you the challenge that we just don't want to be a hearer of the Word, but we want to be a doer of that Word. So I ask you, as you're going about your life, uh, last Sunday afternoon, I want you to go pray over your neighbor's house. I didn't say, go stand in front of the door like this and scare them half to death, but go and pray over your neighbor and just... Start praying that God will allow you to build a relationship with your neighbor. Well, one of our people in our church said, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to make some no-baked cookies and I'm going to go and talk to my next-door neighbor. So she made those no-baked cookies. She went across the street, knocked on her neighbor's door, gave them the cookies, and in the midst of that conversation, her next-door neighbor told her, the greatest struggle of their life. They said, I didn't even have to ask my next-door neighbor what the greatest struggle of their life was. The next thing I know, after I hand the cookies over, my neighbor is telling me the greatest struggle of their life. So I'm going to ask you these two things. If I were to go to your next-door neighbor and... And ask them to describe you in two words. What two words would they describe you? Would they describe you differently today than they would have last Sunday? Last Sunday, would they describe you driven on a mission that you don't even know who they are, but now your neighbor can say, you know what? Now my neighbor they're praying for me. They're caring over my soul. So, here's what I want you to do. Keep loving on your neighbor and love them to Jesus Christ. Love them well. One of the ways that we do that is we pray. So, here's what we're doing. We're loving God. We're loving our neighbor. And how do we do these things? We do it through prayer We do it through the Word, and we do it through the Holy Spirit of God, the empowerment of the Spirit of God. So, the month of May, we're dealing with this incredible thing of praying. When I think about praying, several things come to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is a green stool. You might say, why a green stool? Well, every single morning as a kid growing up, my mom would get on that green stool, and before everybody else would wake up in the house, she would get on her knees before God and pray for, pray for my dad and pray for us three children. Every morning, I mean, every morning I got up on that green stool was her living Bible and our prayer list. And every morning, I knew before I got up, my mom had been seeking the face of God and praying over us as a family. First thing I think about prayer, Second thing that I remember about prayer, when I was in college, uh, we had a prayer revival. A man by the name of Don Miller came in about Bible-based prayer, and we spent the whole week, and here was the challenge. The challenge was to spend one hour a day with God. He used the story where Peter, James, and John are there with Jesus in the garden. And Jesus tells them, I want you to stay here and watch and pray. And remember, Jesus went on in the garden. And when Jesus came back, what what was Peter, James, and John, what were they doing? They were sleeping. Remember, he wakes them up, and then he goes back into the garden. He prays again. As he comes back, what are they doing again? Sleeping. Bible-based praying that week of college really changed my idea of praying. Praying is so we can know God more. Praying, it is personal and it is not a transaction. Sometimes when we pray, we look at it like a transaction that we are doing. And we we time it. Am I pray in three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes, and we look at it as a transaction. But I want you to hear my heart, and I believe the heart of God praying, it's intimate, it's personal. As you study the Scripture, sometimes as you're praying, you're standing up. Sometimes you're praying, it is on your knees. Sometimes you're praying, you're laying in your bed. Sometimes you're praying as you're going in the car. I mean, as a matter of fact, the Bible gives us about every single posture of a person's body in pray, But it's the posture of our heart. Prayer is not a Transaction. But it's personal. I remember my mom with the green stool. My heart was challenged in college praying. But the reality of depths of praying really came about for me at Central Baptist Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. What was going on that day, it was the day that Emily was born. Isn't it a joy to have Emily back in church this morning, by the way? What a blessing. When Emily was born in Lexington at Central Baptist Hospital, I wasn't there. She was born on a Sunday, and the doctor's office, they, the doc, the hospital calls me in the middle of that night, and that early Sunday morning and said, hey, Amy is really sick, and man, we have got to deliver Emily right now. Amy is in danger. Emily's in stress. We've got to deliver. So here I am four and a half hours away. Uh, and, and I, I mean, just really just fear. And I remember getting in the car, driving to Lexington, and I walk in Central Baptist Hospital that I've been over and over again for all those months that Amy had been in the hospital. They, they take me into a hospital room, and I'm just by myself, and they come in to meet with me. I mean, we have a personal relationship with our doctor. I mean, as personal as you can get. Right after Emily was delivered, I met with a doctor. The doctor was coming to Disney World for the week. And my doctor says, do y'all have anywhere to stay? You're going to be here a while. He said, hey, by the way, here's the keys to my house. And my wife has the beds ready. And the food is all in there. Just go and stay in my house. How many times does your doctor tell you that? That's how personal we were with this doctor. And he said, Eric, it's a difficult moment. Emily's so sick, we don't know if she's going to make it through the day. And Amy's really sick. She might not make it either. And he walked at the door. Prayer is not a transaction. It's personal. I can remember being in that little hospital room, and all I could cry out is, God, help. You know, I've learned when life really presses in, a lot of times our prayers get really real. When life presses in, our prayers get pretty raw before God. All of a sudden, that prayer for me was not praying through some cliches, not praying certain statements, not going through the motions. I mean, I was laying myself out before God and saying, God! I need you to hear me. Prayer is not a transaction, but prayer. It is so personal. It is so intimate. There are prayer. We are communicating with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are in touch with the heart of God. Do you realize the privilege? And I want you to know, it is a privilege that you are covered with the blood of Jesus. And you have got the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to you. And because you've got the righteousness of Jesus, you can call upon him at any moment, at any time, about anything. Prayer is so personal. It is so intimate. It is not going through just a couple of sayings that we heard somebody else say. It's not saying these things just so I'll look good. Can I tell you, when you're praying, you're not trying to impress anybody. You're not trying to look good to anybody else. You're just calling out to your heavenly Father. Have you ever been guilty? I've been guilty of this. Sometimes worried about all the other people hearing me pray than the one I'm really praying to. Have you ever sat there in the moment and you're so afraid? You're so tense? You're so nervous? Am I going to say the right thing when I pray? All these people are going to hear me. Am I going to embarrass myself? As a matter of fact, if I were to put a microphone up here and have you come and stand, and I'd say, hey, we're, every person is going to pray today. Some of you would run out of here. You would pass out on the floor. You'd be throwing up. I mean, some of you told your small group, whatever you do, your life or whatever you do, don't ever call on me to Pray. Because we're seeing prayer as a transaction and not personal. When we're praying, it's not about talking about each other. We're not talking to each other. Look at me. When you're praying, you're addressing the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I've got some great news. He says, call to me. Here's the invitation today. The God who spoke this universe is in in existence is personally inviting you to call on him. Pastor here, but, but you're, you're a pastor. Look at you. Hey, guys, I, I have not arrived in my prayer life. I've got such a long way to go. I am growing. I am learning. But I want you, everyone, to know in this room, God today is looking at you toe to toe, knee to knee. He saying call on me. How do I know that? Well, let's look. Jeremiah chapter 33. Let's begin in verse number 1. Verse number 1 is going to give us the context of what is going on. Where is Jeremiah at this moment? In Jeremiah chapter 33, we know Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Jeremiah is that prophet that I so identify with and love. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God is saying, hey, Jeremiah, in your mom's womb I was forming you. And Jeremiah comes back and says, but God, I can't speak. In Jeremiah 1, God is calling Jeremiah out to be a prophet. And Jeremiah starts his excuses. But God, there is no way I can speak. And God says, you know what, Jeremiah, I'll I'll reach down and I'll touch your mouth and I'll give you the words to say. But Jeremiah says, but God, I am so afraid of their faces. Let's face facts. Have you ever been afraid of somebody's face for the gospel? I think every one of us. I think if you say, well, I've never been afraid of somebody's face, I think you're lying. Because if that wasn't the case, we sure would be sharing the gospel a whole lot more. But one of the things I think that keeps us from sharing about the gospel is the same issue that Jeremiah, he was afraid of their faces. How are they going to respond? What are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm some... Religious wacko. God reassured Jeremiah. Now, we're in Jeremiah 33. Verse 1 is going to tell us where he is. Let's look at it. (coughs) Moreover, the word of the Lord... It is extremely important if you're going to understand this text of scripture, how the word Lord is written. Moreover, the word of the Lord. What is unique about that word there, Lord? What is unique in your text of scripture? It is all in caps. As a matter of fact, when you study the Old Testament, you will see that over 6,300 times in the Old Testament. And the word of the Lord, all in caps, what it is say, when you see it all in caps, it is saved that the Lord, He is a covenant-keeping God, that He is personal, that He is intimate, that he keeps his promises. He is not slack concerning what he says. He is saying, I am the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, and I am personal. As a matter of fact, that's why you see this 6,300 times. And this word, and the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, this Lord is the same Lord in all caps to you. Aren't you grateful? That God's covenant does not depend upon our faithfulness, but it depends upon God's faithfulness. What does the scripture tell us? It says, when we are not faithful, when we're faithless, he is still what? Faithful. So when you see this in this text of Scripture, you've got to understand it. Moreover, the Word of the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, Creator God that is ruling over all things, that is intimate, that is personal, that is covenant-making, that keeps His promise is delivering this. Moreover, the Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. All right, read ahead real quick in verse 1. Where is Jeremiah? He's where? He's in prison. Does anybody know why in Jeremiah 33 verse 1? Why is Jeremiah in prison? Let me I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you why. Jeremiah 33 verse 1, Jeremiah is in prison because he is telling the nation, we are going into captivity. And as a matter of fact, we are about to go into captivity. And as a matter of fact, we just need to surrender right now and give up. What had been taking place is the Babylonians. Babylon had already got their army together. They had already overtaken the Assyrians. They defeated the Assyrians, which was a huge deal. And now they are coming to get them. So what did they do? They logically, what you would think, they they teamed up with the Egyptians. We need a bigger army because the Babylonians, they are coming to get us. Jeremiah says, hey, don't even fight this battle. Let's just surrender. Jeremiah, you have lost your mind. You're telling us not even to fight. You're telling us to surrender. That's what I'm telling you. Put him in jail. I mean, be like me telling you right now that Russia is going to come and attack America, and they're coming. Hey, they're, we're going to be captives. Just surrender. Don't even fight. Y'all be going, Pastor Eric, you're crazy. We're going to war. We're going to fight. Jeremiah says, No. God's already shown me we're going to captivity. Surrender. They didn't like it, so they put him in jail. Getting the setting? Verse number 2. The Lord, personal, covenant-making God. Jeremiah, sitting in jail about what's going to happen. Verse number 2. Thus says the Lord. How is the Lord written in verse number 2? All caps. Thus says the covenant-making Lord. Thus says the Lord. Who made it? The Lord who formed it to establish it in the Lord. The Lord is his name. Verse 2 gives us a little bit more about the Lord. It is the Lord, God, creator God, God that, exi- that God who spoke everything into existence. This is creator, Lord God. He is personal. He is intimate. He is over all things. Do you see that in verse 2? Look again in verse 2. The Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Creator God of the universe. Verse three. Call to me. Write this down. Number one Here is the invitation from God, personal God. To call. Call to me. Do you see the invitation that has been given in this text of Scripture? The Lord is saying, I want you to call to me. May I ask you the question, who is the me in verse 3? Call to who? Who's the me? The Lord. Can you just pause? Everybody, look right here at me. Creator, Lord, is calling you. You say, Call me. Creator God, the righteousness that has been imputed to you. Wait a minute. Please get this. The God who spoke this universe is in existence is looking at you right now and saying, hey, call to me. Did you know we were told that on average, the average person speaks 34,000 words a day. That's a lot of words, isn't it? How many of you would argue that ladies use more words than men? I mean, they always say that, you know, a lot of times they say that ladies use double the amount of words that a man does during the day. And how many times, ladies, do you, when your husband comes home, he says, I'm so sorry, I have already used all my words today. And ladies, I mean, your husband getting home, you've been at work too, you are ready to talk, and I mean, you're you're ready to have some serious conversations. Wait, 34,000 words a day. Let's put this in perspective. That means every day you say enough words to write half of a book. Hold on, look at me. I'm saying you're saying enough words in the average day that every single day you're writing a half a book. You might say, Pastor Eric, there is no way I could ever author a book. There's no way I could ever write a book. Will you use enough words in two days to write an entire book? Since I saw you last Sunday morning, you've said enough words to write three and a half books. Let's talk about the half a book that you wrote every day. Um, the half a book that you wrote every day, did you have a chapter in there that you were calling upon the Lord every day? Mm. If I brought the three and a half books that you wrote this week, um, how many chapters is it calling on Him? in your three and a half books that you wrote this week, hey, would there be maybe one paragraph in there where you called on it? Boy, it's getting pretty personal, isn't it? Can you not watch for an hour? I want you to hear me. The Lord is inviting you to call. Not a transaction, but personal. But you say, but Pastor er, you just don't know the anger. I've got so much anger in me. I've got to say, there's no way I can call upon God. I'm too angry. I don't know what you, about you but I love reading the psalm where David gets just raw before the Lord and just says, Lord, I'm angry about this. Some of you using you your anger. But God, I've got, I can't call upon you because I'm dealing with this. Can I tell you? Come. He is saying, call on me and bring your anger and give me that anger. Oh, but Pastor Eric, you just he just don't know. I am just so distraught. I'm so distraught. I I just don't know about this. Come. Notice again in verse 3 he it says, come to who again? Me. Aren't you grateful that it's not saying, hey, come to Eric Charles Stitts? Oh, Lord, we'd be in trouble. Do you see this most incredible invitation? Jeremiah in prison, the Lord is Creator All. And he said, hey, Jeremiah, call on me. You know what we do? We call on the Lord, and we let the Lord do the heavy lifting. Look at me. We don't have to do the heavy lifting. We do the calling on him. Number one, we call. Look at the next thing in this verse. I believe we just take it word by word right here. It's just beautiful. Look at this in verse 3. Call to me. Write this second thing now. Assurance he will answer. Call to me. And here's the promise of God. And let me ask you this. Can God lie? Let me ask you. Can God lie to you? I want you to get this promise. Look at it. Call to me, and I will answer you. Can you think of a more beautiful thing? As we talk about prayer, the Lord says, Call on me. And here's the promise. Four words. What, what are those four words? Look at this promise. I will answer you. In just a moment, we're going to stand. In just a moment, we're going to give the invitation. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come. Come, call on the Lord. But Lord, what about my what about my depression? What about that? He says, come, call on me. In just a moment, you're going to come, we're going to come, and we're going to get on our knees, and we're going to call on the Lord, and here's the promise, and I will answer you. He's just not going to cross his arms and say, well, I'm never going to answer them, by golly. Good luck. What is the promise of God? The promise of God is we call, he answers. 34,000 words a day. Then why can't we, why don't we write two sentences a day calling on him? How will he answer? We know our three answers. We know this, don't we? Write these things down. Y'all know it better than I do. Sometimes he'll answer, Yes. You better believe it. The Scripture says, you ask anything according to His will, it will be done. That's why I tell you, one of the greatest ways to pray is to pray Scripture back to God. When you're praying Scripture back to God, you're praying the will of God, the heart of God. And when you're in line with God and you're praying the will of God, God's answer is yes. Sometimes God will answer you and He will flat out say no. How many of y'all have ever heard God tell you no? You know what we learn? I want you to look at me. Don't miss this. When God says no, we learn if we're going to be rebellious or submissive. When we're pounding heaven's gates and we're saying, but God, and God says no. It's going to reveal in us, are we going to be rebellious or are we going to be submissive? We know sometimes God just tells us to do what? Wait. We call. He answers. Write this third thing down. He will reveal to us great and mighty things, things that are hidden. I want you to write these two statements down under that. What, is, what are these two things that God is going to reveal, these great and mighty things? Number one, God is going to reveal Himself to us. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He will show us when we're praying, He answers, and He's going to answer, and He is going to show Himself. He is going to reveal Himself to us, Philippians chapter 3, 7 and 8. The second thing I I just wrote down in the margin in my Bible, I put the second thing. He's going to show us what He's able to do. John chapter 15 verse 16, that He is going to show us in His answer, and He's going to show us as He reveals it to us, He's going to show us who Himself is. He's going to show us what He's able to do. call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great many things which you do not know things those things that are hidden when you see that word hidden here's what I want you to picture a city that is fortified i, I want you to picture a fence he said i will reveal to you i will show you those things that are fenced in He said, I'm going to knock down the fences. It's fenced in right now. It's hidden right now. But he says, when you call on me, I will answer you, and I will knock the fences down, and I'll show you these things. I can't tell you how many times in life, and I can't tell you in the process of, of coming to be your pastor. I can't tell you, as Amy and I prayed and we we fasted, we went before the Lord, we just said, oh God, we're calling upon you. You're going to answer us. And God, here is a fence. God, not the fence down. God says, he will show himself. He will show what he's able to do. He will reveal the hidden things that are fenced in. As a matter of fact, I love how Charles Staling makes this statement about it. He will give you all knowledge with everything that you need. Charles Stanley states it this way He will give you all the knowledge that you need. And it's available as we ask. Let's read these three verses one more time, and I'm done. Moreover, the word of the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, personal, came to Jeremiah a second time while we still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord, covenant-keeping God, promise-keeping God, personal, not transactional, who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is His name, call. Why is that capital, Lord? Because this is for all of us. Call to me. So here's the invitation. Come and call on him. Pastor, is really God talking to me? I want I want everybody's eyes looking right here. I don't want you to miss this. God is telling you to call on Him. The promise He will answer. And He's going to reveal the hidden things. What do you need to call about? Prayer, personal, intimate, not just a transaction. Let's pray it again. Lord God, I thank you for this incredible word. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah. Lord, he was in prison. He was shut up. But Lord, you revealed and reminded him that you are the great creator God. God. And God, thank you that you told Jeremiah. And God, not only did you tell Jeremiah, but you tell every single one of us in this room, call to me. Lord, I pray that we won't allow our anger. God, I pray that we won't allow our stuff instead, Lord, I pray in just a moment. God, you're calling us. You're saying, call to me. God, forgive us when we're trying to call to somebody else to figure it out. God, may we call on you. God, thank you. that you will answer. Thank you that you will reveal the hidden things. God, thank you that you will reveal yourself to us. Thank you, Lord, you will reveal what you are able to do. God, may we call on you. Right now, as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one is moving in this ring. And during this invitation time, the only movement that needs to be happening is coming to the front. Creator God, Is inviting you to call on Him. In just a moment, as we stand and we're going to sing, I, I'm asking you call to me. What is that heavy issue? What is that burden? Whatever it is, call on Him. he will answer and he will show but we got a call in just a moment we're gonna stand your hearts are heavy why don't you come and call out on him if you've never been saved you never trusted Jesus Christ why don't you come the pastors will be down front. just say hey I don't understand all this but I I need to call I need Jesus some of you, you've been visiting with us for a while. This is your first Sunday, and God wants you to be a team member, to be a part of First Baptist with us. Why don't you come in the pastors and come and join this morning? But why, for all of us, call to me. Call on him this day. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, have total freedom in this room. God, I pray that we will not believe the lie of the devil. The devil is already lying and saying, Oh, don't call. Don't do this. Do you know what you thought? Do you know the anger? Do you know the frustration? Do you know this? God, I pray that we will not listen to the devil, but we'll listen by the Jesus Christ whose blood has covered us and has forgiven us, who is saying, Call to me. God, that you're asking and want a personal, intimate, time relationship with us. Lord, I pray that we'll call. In Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing in just a moment. As we stand and sing, why don't you come and call on the Lord? For some of you, you say, Pastor Eric, man, I, I want to come forward. I, I can't kneel at the altar. Just come and sit at the front key and you just sit down. It's not the posture of our body, but it's the posture of our heart. And you might just need to come and just see or say, God, I call upon you. You might be like that moment that I had in the hospital where all I can do is God, all I can call, help. When you respond, let your prayers be raw. Let them just be real. Don't just say a phrase because you heard somebody else say it and you think it sounded good. Just pour your heart out.